Now stolen by Ross Sanders. Down the lane for the jam. And Mr. Sanders can really fly. And McGrath takes the three on fire with it. They have left the three. Jake Kaba coast to coast for the jam. A straight man-to-man -man defense by Rutgers, but the Friars really aren't running much. Open three. Got it. Ryan Gomes nails the three. That's why he's a preseason number one team selection coming in. They leave this with 139 to go. 77-64. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. This is Gomes. Up and good. The chance for a three-point play. Terrific execution by the Friars. Ryan, I, I just said one of the best players in our league and starting to be look, look like one of the best players in the country. I don't know what else I can say. And if you want me to say stop, I stop. Right. Nice job staying with him there in the post. He can make these. And he does. A three ball for Gomes. They're as close as they've been in the second half. 27 for Ryan Gomes. You want me to say I up? For the fifth time, I up. All right, so put five times. Hello and welcome everybody back to the final episode of the Friar Pod series. I'm of course your host Billy Ritchie joined by Kevin Farahar of FriarBasketball.com. But before we get to this last episode, we'd like to thank everybody who's listened to episodes one through three. In episode three, we ended with the unfortunate loss to Pacific in the NCAA tournament, and that is exactly where we're going to pick up right now. The Friars, as we discussed, lost 66-58 to to the Pacific Tigers in round one of the NCAA tournament on March 19th, 2004. In Kansas City, Missouri, where they were hoping to face Kansas in the second round, it is not surprising that the Friars were probably looking past this game. The only double-figure scorer for the Friars was, of course, Ryan Gomes at 25 points and 13 rebounds. Sheikou Kaba didn't have his best shooting game, nor Donnie McGrath his best offensive game. Marcus Dowden unfortunately struggled a little bit in the post. And even with some contributions from Tukakati and Rob Sanders, we were unfortunately not able to come away with the win. This ended the Friars season and ended a magical run that we would all remember as one of the best Friar teams, at least within the regular season in which we had seen in a while. There obviously was a lot up in the air, with Ryan Gomes, of course, being touted by the NBA, Sheikh Ukaba and Marcus Doughton graduating, and Donnie McGrath hoping to lead another team as he had some eligibility left for his two remaining years. So when I look at the specific loss, I honestly think that this is one of those trap games. 5-12 matchups in the NCAA tournament are never easy. And of course, this is the perfect example of one of those exact matchups. The Friars who are unfortunately, again, sliding at the end of the season. I'm sure we're looking for a redemption game, but they were met with some resistance as the guys were told that they had to pack their bags even before the game had started, for the loser of the game would be headed home immediately after the game. I was terrified of the matchup. Uh, I, the last thing I wanted to see was a mid-major team that our guys had never heard of that was good and well-coached, and that's – what Pacific was. I mean, it was about, I mean, look, you know, I don't know how many division one colleges there are out there that our guys had never heard of, but Pacific's probably on the list, right? I remember, uh, you know, we were using VCRs to tape games back then. And I had tried to tape 
the Big West final, like we were taping all the games and something went wrong with the VCR and I got like a fitness program, like Body by Jake. And I remember telling coach Sunday night, like we have one tape, you know, we have one and then I threw it in and it wasn't their championship game. You know, we, you know, it was, it was, again, it was body by Jake. So um, I, I just didn't think where we were mentally, like if, if we were playing, you know, Michigan state or, or North Carolina or somebody, you know, one of the big boys um, sort of the energy in preparation takes care of itself. We were literally playing a team that our guys had never heard of. They didn't know any of the players. They couldn't be from further away and they were really well coached. So I did not like our mentality preparing for that game. Uh, I remember uh, being in Kansas city and having one of the worst practices I've ever been a part of the day before a game. You know, I think we were at UMKC and everybody was just, you know, off center, you know, guys were, you know, couldn't catch the ball, making mistakes. Guys were on edge. It was just, we were very, very uptight at that point. And I don't, Again, I remember Selection Sunday, and it's like, hey, this is a fresh start. This is great. This is awesome. Um, when we got to Kansas City, it wasn't that way. It was just tight and tense and sloppy. Um, you know, we were – I mean, I remember my brother lived in London at the time, right? So my brother flew in for the weekend, right? All, all of your fans, right? I, I, was it a Thursday Saturday or a Friday, Sunday? Friday. I don't, it was a Friday. It was a Friday, Sunday. So everybody has flights going home on Sunday. Right. And we get in Wednesday probably. And um, I'll never forget my girlfriend, who's now my wife was there as well. She came in and everybody's there because they assume we're going to win. Uh, and I think it was Kansas was the four seed. Am I right in saying that? So you're going to play Kansas in Kansas city. You know, that, that kind of is what makes sense to everybody. Um, they told us before the game that whoever lost the game that night had to be ready to leave right away because the NCAA has so many charters that they plan and the plane that was being used for us had to be somewhere else the next morning. So I remember like, you know, six hours before the game, like a couple hours before a pregame meal, them saying like word coming down. I had to go tell coach like, coach, we got to pack. He's like, what do you mean? It's like, we have to have our stuff ready to go. Should we lose? And it was like the, the feeling of packing in your hotel room before you've even like stepped into the arena. It was just dreadful. Um, and we were sloppy in that game. We couldn't guard them as another team that, that didn't expose us by shooting threes. You know, they didn't take a lot of threes. They had a couple of inside players that really hurt us. Yeah. Guillaume Yango was, was a big French, and they had a, a Scandinavian kid, Christian Marriker, I think, was their best player, who was also an inside guy who really hurt us. And But we were absolutely out of sorts that game, which was – I never felt that before with that team. The Villanova game, it wasn't like we weren't in the game. You know, it wasn't like – I mean, Pitt, we got hammered, but we were, we were okay. BC, we battled back. You know, Villanova, that, that – that Pacific game, we were out of sorts pretty much the whole couple of days leading up to it. Um, and, you know, we could never find our footing in that game and, and get control of it. It was uh, – it hurt. It hurt a lot because it, that that loss is like, you know, our whole season is over. Like, we, we're never going to get this back. And, and 
that 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 loss hurt. That loss hurt because we had expectations to go far in the tournament. We were trying to do things that Providence haven't done. Yeah, it, it hurt because we, we took teams lightly, especially Pacific. You know, after that game, I was upset. I was uh, I was mad. I was with Sheku and uh, I think it was Sheku and Donnie were together, or maybe it was Sheku and Marcus was together. I think Donnie might have been with his parents. But, you know, I was upset. You know, I was upset. I was with, you know, those guys who was about to, they were seniors. I know I had another year, year left. Donnie had two more years left. So, you know, next year I'll be, you know, coming back playing with Donnie. But, you know, I was excited. I wish we had one more, you know, one more year. But when you're in college, you know, we knew going into that we, we didn't want to go home. But we were going home and that was the end. And right after that game, Sheku was like, man, you know, after we all, you know, was upset and stuff, he was like, Gomes, man, you out with us, man. You know, you're going to the league next year. He would say that right in St. Louis. He said it right in St. Louis. And I said, you know, man, I don't know. I don't know. He's like, what you mean you don't know? You know, like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen, man. He said, man, you going. And then, you know, the guys, they're seniors. So they like, when we get back on campus, man, I ain't going to class. I'm not going to class. I'm, 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 you know, it's like a Thursday. We got this. I'm not going to class Thursday or Friday. I'm not. And we just lost in the NCAAs and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, yeah, I know you ain't going either, right? And I said, no, I'm going to class, man. I'm going to class on Thursday and Friday. It's like, man, you always doing that. Why are you, why are you doing that? You're going to the league. And I, you know, so I didn't have it. I really didn't have it in my mind. I knew I was, you know, I played great. And then, you know, the stuff came out after where he's wooden all, you know, I was all American and all that stuff came, but I still wasn't, you know, I was like, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to go put my name in the draft because you can come back to school after two weeks of going to the combine. So I'm going to do it. But it wasn't like I still had two months before when they were when we got back from the NCAAs before I was going to combine. So I didn't want to, you know, what if I was coming back? I didn't want to not be going to class because because of anything. So I never had in my head like when we got back, it wasn't like I'm going to the NBA. It was still like I got to finish this business before I could see what's going to happen with the NBA. I think the pick game, unfortunately, was the sliding rock on the hill that kind of led to the downfall of the team where the Big East title was lost. And it kind of created this sense of complacency for the remainder of the season because at the end of the day, PC would have still been a top team in the Big East, but they weren't going to be Big East champions. And they were waiting on who they were going to see in the NCAA tournament, which of course led to facing a quote-unquote lesser opponent at the time. I just think due to a lot of circumstance, a lot of good teams in the conference at the time, and maybe peaking for that six-game win streak a little earlier than they probably should have, I think a lot of things led to PC not finishing the season as they had hoped because there were some other things going on with the team. Freshman playing time, injuries, specifically to Rob Sanders, and and just an overall dynamics of the team that maybe they just weren't peaking at the right time. And I think there were some outstanding circumstances that kind of added to the poor finish to the season. Yeah. So Bill, what's interesting too, is I look back, I'm someone who just loves to dig into the numbers and look for trends. And, you know, it's so interesting. It seems like PC just kind of fell apart with their shooting and defensively, which were both really strengths of them all year. So PC was a team that they were shooting 39% from three, you know, nearly 40% as a team before this four game skid late in the year. So the way they shot during the four games, they shot 21% from three during those games. They were six for 26 against Pacific. They were six for 21 against Nova, three for 22 against BC and four for 19 against Pitt. So that's 19 for 88, which is 
fascinating for a team that shot as well as they did all year. And the other thing is they held teams to around 41% shooting, both in non-conference play and in Big East play. So those are really good teams. And you look at the final four games of the season, those four teams combined to shoot over 51% against Providence. So I'm not sure that's something that teams figured out about PC zone. I have a feeling it was more a level of, um, or a matter of engagement defensively, but you know, there, there are all, all sorts of things that potentially could have gone wrong. The one thing we'll never know, we, we can look at the numbers, but I always wondered chemistry wise, you know, how it worked for this team, because, you know, they, they had a kind of a tricky situation where, where Rob Sanders was starting and playing great all year. And he got hurt, missed probably six or seven games. And during that time, Dwight Brewington as a freshman stepped in and played great. Honestly, from a coaching perspective, that was it. It was Rob and Dwight. Um, we never, and, and again, we were, we were playing really well defensively. We were playing, playing well enough to win. Uh, we never got that group to mesh with Rob and Dwight. And, and quite honestly, I think it was our fault as a coaching staff. I don't think we did a good enough job addressing it. It's not either one of those kids. They were good kids. They wanted to win. You know, both of them had egos. Both of them thought, they should be playing. I think some personal ego took over for that team later in the year, which is something, you know, I've learned as a coach, as you start to have success, you know, even within a year, you have to prepare for how to deal with it, right? When, when you lose games, everyone knows how to deal with it. All right, we got to work harder. We got to do this. We got to do that. You know, the determination is different when you're winning games and we won, you know, a pretty good stretch there after that, we got that Seton Hall win in January. Um, you know, you kind of have a tendency to be like, all right, everything's good. Let's just keep doing it the same way. I don't think we address the issues from a personality standpoint that hurt the way we played as a team and hurt, quite honestly, the way we defended as a team, because a lot of that has to do with buy-in and sacrifice and togetherness. So to me, that was, that was always the number one issue that we didn't, you know, and, and it wasn't, I don't, I don't bring up Rob and Dwight because it was those two personalities. It was the idea of guys in and out of the lineup and how we were going to make it all work together. Well, we, we knew, we, like I said, in the preseason, like we all played, we, we was in the gym, we was going at each other and we already knew what Dwight could do. We knew how to play with Dwight and we knew what Rob came with. And yes, it was, it was tough. And it was hard fitting it in, but we knew what Dwight can do. We knew he could play. And honestly, Dwight can play one on five. That's just his mentality. And he stepped up. He did the same thing we did freshman year. You know, he, he stepped up and he held his own. So when Rob came back, it was kind of, it was tough. It was tough because it's like, do you take a guy out who's playing great? Like, what is his punishment? You know what I mean? So Rob, and when he hurt his hand, it it, it it took a lot out of us, but the white Brewington came right in and stepped right in, and, and we were still rolling. So I kind of think that with Tim Welsh, kind of you know, he should have just stayed with the white and let us rock with the white and but play Rob too, because Rob will finish the game. Kind of let the white start the game, because you know you want to end the game with experience, you know. Yeah, I think that played a big factor as well because you know we built that you know the year before going back to when we first started talking with the St. John's game where. The, the lineup switch and we got accustomed to everyone, you know, playing a certain way. Then we come in the beginning of the junior year and we're playing well. Rob's playing tremendously well for us. Then he gets hurt. He misses some games and then he's kind of, you know, in and out. And I think the chemistry um, was a little bit off for when we were playing with Dwight and when we were playing with Rob instead, but his injuries are part of the game and that's what happened. But 
even going to that fast forward into that NCAA game, you know, Rob never thought caught his rhythm after he came back from his injury. And not like he wasn't valuable to us, but his rhythm of what he was bringing to us offensively wasn't there from like the first, whatever, 14 games that he played early in the season. And even though Dwight and him are dynamic, Rob just brings a different type of attribute for our offense than Dwight did. To be honest, if you're a player ranked as high as Dwight Brewington and Gerald Brown are, especially at this time, PC wasn't getting a ton of top 100 kids um, or almost you know, hardly any at the time. They both came here expecting to play as freshmen, right? And if you look at kind of how things unfolded with this group, you wonder if there was some potentially some chemistry issues, not necessarily with the core guys who started, you know, they seemed like they were, they were a tight knit group, but you wonder if some other guys had trouble with their roles a little bit and that affected them late because, you know, Dwight Brunton the next year, I mean, looked like he was going to completely break out his sophomore year. He had like a 23.7 rebounds, six assists game against Wake Forest, which had Chris Paul at the time. He had, or that might've been against Michigan, but he had a huge game against Wake and Michigan and Cuse, but Dwight ended up leaving, you know, his sophomore year. Gerald Brown didn't end up making it through his sophomore year. Rob Sanders decided not to come back the next season for his senior year, um, certainly without a guarantee of going to the NBA. And then Maris Laxa, who was a senior and, you know, a pretty steady player for them for much of his career, he ended up leaving PC in, in February. You know, I don't know that Dwight ever really bought into what we were doing. Uh, Dwight wanted to he wanted to play a certain way. And as I said, coach Welsh is pretty tough on his point guards. Like he wanted to see the ball delivered to the right people. And um, you know, Dwight was a guy who relied a lot on his ability and was used to being good enough to just get stuff done. And if it didn't work, it was like, all right, well, I'll just do something different the next time. I don't think process was big for Dwight. And I think that that bothered coach a little bit where we weren't really sure, you know, he was ever going to be as consistent uh, at a high level as he should be. Gerald, you know, pretty similar. I mean, I think Gerald, I think G wanted more. I think G saw the ability to, you know, be a big time scorer, which I think he was when he transferred. He wanted that opportunity. And I don't know that he saw, you know, he played on some teams with, you know, that was kind of when we were playing a lot of guys when Gerald was in there and we were playing a lot of guys and it was sort of you know, Chris Anron one game and maybe Gerald in another game or Dwight in another game. So uh, he wanted more of a role. I mean, that's pretty simple. He wanted to be a guy who was counted on to try and get 20 every night. And, you know, I think that that's a big part of why he left. All those things individually, you don't really worry about. But when you look at them collectively, you start to think, okay, I wonder if there were some more chemistry issues there than we might have thought at the time. But Kev, on a positive note, when looking at this team as a whole, obviously you think of Ryan Gomes and his All-American status, just did so many things for the team and such a unique inside-out presence. One of the things I learned from Gomes is the best players and the best people, the most successful people I've ever been around, have one thing in common, and it's perspective. And Ryan Gomes had unbelievable perspective. Like when you talk about people, whether it's athletes or people you work with, and people say, oh, he just gets it. Um, you know, I think that what you mean by that is perspective, right? They have a really particular attitude towards what happens um, to them, around them. And, and Ryan Gomes was just special that way. Uh, he knew he was really talented. He knew he was really good. He never acted like it. Uh, he was very grateful, ton of gratitude in Ryan Gomes. So, 
you know, here was a guy who the only way you're going to know he's the best player in the gym is by watching him play and, and seeing him produce because he never carried himself that way. Um, he understood how much time other people were putting in to making him better. And he loved that. And uh, he was a great teammate. He was never looking for anything special or above and beyond or different because he was Ryan Gomes or because he was an all American. He, he was, he loved being coached. He loved being a teammate and he loved Providence. He loved Friartown. So certainly the best player that I've ever coached. And I'll be lucky if I ever get to, to coach a, a person better than he is in my career. I think Donnie McGrath all time is one of the most underrated friars. He had the minutes played record when he left PC. He was right up there in three pointers. He was just an unsung hero for PC and being able to play the off guard position or handle the ball at all times and just have that competitive fire that really fueled this team. And the same goes for his backcourt mate, of Sheikh Ukaba, like so gritty, always ready to make that timely play. Famous, of course, for that dunk in which we talked about earlier on in the show. And just somebody who is going to make the right plays and never feared the moment. I know he didn't really have the best game against Pacific to sort of end his PC career, but so many times he was the one to have the 20 point game where other guys didn't step up. And I think that's a great way to remember him as a Providence Friar. Well, definitely supposed to, speaking of those guys that you mentioned that was part of that 03, you know, 14 um the the starters um like you said donnie at the point guard just a a great point guard that you know through his first year on campus all the way to his senior year he came in with a, a superior work ethic i would say you know he was always first in every sprint that we did he logged the most minutes for us in every game because he was the most conditioned athlete and then uh, you know he was a dead eye shooter but he also has size i think people who don't really, uh, you know, they remember, of course, but I think his one of his main attributes is he was 6'4", and he played the point guard in the Big East at the time where all the guards were smaller. He might have been, if we look back, probably maybe the tallest, you know, point guard, you know, natural point guard as well, and guarding those, you know, Talik Browns and all those other point guards that were in the Big East. And then, like you said about Sheikh Kukaba, who was another, you know, New York kid who can handle the ball as well, and we can move Donnie to the off guard position and he was, you know, Shaker was a great defender um, as well in the corner three specialists um, for our team. And like you said, he wasn't, he wasn't afraid to take a shot in the moment, you know, Rob Sanders, who was an athletic natural three and D guy in the, you know, in the, at the professional level um, in college, he was naturally that played above the rim can run the lane and can finish in all acrobatic ways. And that, especially our junior year, his shooting, became um, something that helped us um, succeed as well. And then I know he got injured, but he did come back. But up until that injury, when he broke his finger, he was uh, he was leading, the, I think, up there in NCAA, top five or top ten in three-point percentage. Um, we skip over the power forward, who I, what position I played, but then we go to Marcus Douthat, who controlled the middle for us, who uh, I, I think, you know, came into his own that year, our senior year, and just, you know, he knew what, you know, his value was going to be at the next level. And he just focused in on, you know, finishing around the rim, blocking shots, sometimes taking people off the dribble because that's what he can do. You know, we knew that in the summer times and in practice of the things that he can do, didn't always showcase, showcase that in the game. And then, you know, you look at that, you know, off the bench, we had Dwight Bloomington who came in as a, as a freshman who was a, you know, a, a stud and a, and a great player. 
I think um, for our, you know, another natural wing defender who can handle, who can make shots as well. You know, we had, who else? Mamaris Laska, who's a senior. Chris Aaron, you know, those European guys who can shoot the ball extremely well. And Coach Welch did a, a great job of mixing us all together and using our strengths when needed. Um, so I think we, you know, overall we had, I don't know, I'm probably missing a couple, but we had a great uh, nucleus of teams. We had a lot of, you know, veteran leadership and guys. They've been, Shea Cool Marcus, speaking of them too, they were in NCAA as a freshman. So when we got back there as juniors, they, you know, they were guys who've been at that situation and, and and was ready to go out their senior year and playing for something. And um, we did a great, I think we did a, a good job that year. You know, I remember Coach Welsh flying from Miami after a game to Latvia during the season to recruit Maris Laxa. That group, I think, made us realize and made Friar fans realize like, okay, we're good at, we should be good enough to be in the mix to get to the NCAA tournament every year. You know, it doesn't have to be a once you know, every four or five years or once a class thing uh, to go to two NCAA tournaments in four years, it solidified the program back as an NCAA tournament contender. And those guys, you know, they certainly had their ups and downs. And um, but those are four guys who played a lot of minutes, helped us win a lot of games. You know, the reason why I want to do this, of course, I wanted to hear from Coach Walsh and the players to try and get their thoughts all these years later as they've had time to reflect on it about why the season ended the way it did. But honestly, my bigger focus was just reflecting on this whole season and how this team came together and really to kind of remind people about the heights that they had reached. You know, you'd mentioned in the first episode that this is the only team, the only PC team that ended the regular season ranked in the AP polls since 1976. So, you know, it's a team that really, it's unfortunate that it ended the way it did because that regular season really, really was special. And I look at all these guys. To me, obviously, Ryan Gomes, is you, you talk about special both on and off the court he's he's everything you want as far as someone who represent your program both a person and a player and I thought Marcus Douthat's journey at Providence was really fascinating from a guy his freshman year who came in and played wonderfully as a freshman and then truly kind of struggled his sophomore year and, and really struggled to find his footing but really reemerged late in his junior year and became one of Providence's best shot blockers ever late in his career. And you, you mentioned Donnie just being such a great shooter, having that, that great size and adding kind of a, you know, just a steady hand in the backcourt. And then Sheikh Ukaba, I just thought was so tough. And he was a guy much like Marcus, you know, when, when this program needed freshmen and newcomers to step in in 2001, Sheku, Marcus, Chris Anmer, and Maris Lacks, the four of them all played really big roles on tournament teams. And they all played pretty significant parts in kind of rebuilding the program twice. You know, the program was in a really bad spot in 2000 when those guys came in. And the four of them all played really significant roles in turning things around. And then, you know, the program dipped again midway through their career and they helped kind of pull the program back up. So I think this senior class especially deserves to, you know, be remembered for that, for really helping pull the program out of two kind of difficult stretches in really helping helping turn things around for Providence. When thinking about the all-time memory of this 2003-2004 Friars team, you got to think about the picture as a whole. The Friars have been a bottom dweller in the Big East looking for a 14 or 15 seed matchup at Madison Square Garden in the Big East tournament, all the way to an Elite Eight and Final Four type of program. So in terms of these Friars, I think what truly made it unique was their ability to challenge for a Big East championship, as well as get wins against UConn and Syracuse that we're just not accustomed to. 
The Texas game, of course, will forever be one of the best games in Friar history. And the Illinois win at MSG was just a statement win that this team was really for real and was going to be a problem throughout the rest of the season. When I think of Friar recruits, Ryan Gomes, I think, is the prototypical Friar recruit in the sense that he wasn't getting major offers from other schools. He came under-recruited to PC, was looking to be a four-year type player with the potential redshirt, and through hard work and seeking the right opportunity, was really able to make a mark as one of the best Friars of all time. Sheikh Kaba, of course, is the glue guy that every team needs. A guy who's willing to make winning, heady plays, play defense, take the toughest assignment, and make a big three when it counts. Donnie McGrath, all-time underrated great friar, who, of course, has a little bit of a friar story of choosing Providence over Villanova, coming from a New York background, and being a tall athletic point guard who had a great career overseas. Marcus Dowden, another perfect example of someone coming from Syracuse, New York area, who didn't get recruited by Syracuse, comes to Friartown, certainly makes the most of it. One of the greatest shot blockers probably in Big East history and had a great career overseas as well as a little bit of a stint in the NBA. And then, of course, you have the the role players in the different parts of this particular team from Rob Sanders, an athletic freak who unfortunately wasn't able to keep his college career full with the Friars and to a Dwight Brewington coming in as a local kid from Massachusetts, just looking to make a make a splash from day one with fire in his gut, trying to you know take a starting spot away and be a productive player from day one. I truly believe this team was special in, in so many ways, and it, and it was an honor to interview these guys and, and to cover the 2003-2004 Providence Friars. I think it was just kind of the whole season when we were like going up in the rankings and everyone was talking about us and we were getting all that national attention. Um, you know, Providence, what, like right now, Providence was making the tournament, you know, damn near every year the past few years. But for us, it was a big deal to make the tournament. So, you know, seeing us going up and getting ranked in the top 25 and all that kind of stuff, that, that was huge. That was, that was really fun. And, you know, my, my parents and family being able to come to all my games, that was pretty cool, too. Um, just the, the, the whole experience was great that year. When we were rolling, I'd put us up against any one of those teams. Gomes was a good NBA player. Marcus had a great pro career. He, he could have played in the NBA. I played pro a really long time. Rob easily could have, you know, sick had a couple of years. The guys that were on our bench were talented. So, I mean, depth-wise and star power-wise, I'd put us up against anyone. Yeah, all of, all of us are still, like, friends to this day. I mean, that's one of those things, like, that was, like, our college group. You know, when I think back of my experience at Providence, that's the year that stands out to me, for sure. It's like, you know, people say, oh, who's your backcourt made in Providence? I'm sure there's a ton, but I always think they're sick. But everyone says, oh, you played with Ryan Gomes. And that, those were the years. Like, and that year was the one that stands out the most. I mean, obviously, wish we could have finished it differently that year. But the ride of that year was – that was the most rewarding, you know, part of the journey at Providence. Well, it's one of the, I mean, certainly one of my favorite teams that I've ever coached. Guys like Chris Anron, Tuka Koti, you know, have great relationships with Ryan Gomes, Sheku Kaba, Marcus Douthat, like guys you really invested in, right? That was sort of the, you know, I, I was there for seven years, right? And And those four years was sort of as I was growing up as a coach, right? And then I... I left, you know, I was smart. I left when Ryan left, but uh, that had a huge impact on me, right? Coaching guys like Marcus Douth at Shea Kukaba, you know, Dwight Brewington. And obviously what they did for the program, you know, establishing like we talked about, you know, like, okay, this is something that we can, we can think about. It doesn't have to be, you know, once per class, once every four years. 
it was a pretty special group. The resiliency will always stick out too, right? I mean, you're talking about two of the toughest or three, you know, you throw the URI game in there. Um, was that the first game at the Ryan Center? Yeah, it was in the blizzard, the big Dustin blizzard. That year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you talk about that loss, the Texas loss, and the Rutgers loss. You're talking about three of the most devastating losses you could have, really. You know, I mean, and then you throw in like Pittsburgh, which was for the Big East title, essentially. So that team showed a lot of resiliency. And, and that, to me, is something that will always stick out. It was a pretty special group. Man, you know, we had so many great memories, man. The bus ride. I mean, the number one thing I remember, you know, most important to that team is our trip when we went to Italy. Uh, we went to Florence, Italy. I want to say it was, I think it was my our sophomore year, you know, after our sophomore year, before we started our junior year. I think that was, a, you know, the camaraderie that brought us all together in an environment that was not in Providence, that was just out the country, riding mopeds on the beach. We're doing we're just having a grand old time um, and we're still playing basketball, playing against some semi, you know, pro players, which you do when the you know, colleges go over there and play. So um, I think that that's what I remember about that. All the times, the bus rides and the dorm, St. Joe's dorms, you know, hanging out in front when we was a freshman living in Guzman, you know, Raymond Hall, all the, all the, all the chefs at Slavin, who even if we only had like $2 on our car was still letting us get the patty melt and fries, even though it was worth like $10. Like, you know, <laughs> those things, man, the security guards that was there, like, you know, we were just, like you said, man, and when I flip, think back about Providence and, you know, our team and just all the people that was supporting, up, supporting us and around us, man, it was just, you know, it was great, man. So all those people opening the, the, the security coming to open the gym late nights for us to go shoot extra shots. You know, those things I think all of us remember. Sometimes sleeping in the in the uh in the locker room, um, us as players, you know, hooking up the hooking up the PlayStation or the Dreamcast uh, um or the Xbox to uh the locker room TV and playing before practice, like all those things. I mean, I think you know, four years of college is what everyone says they they wish they can always get back. And with that team and what we did from start to finish, even the whole, my whole history of being in Providence, I, I will never become the player that I became there if I didn't go through this eight games of being redshirted. So all that is part of the story. All that is part of the process. You know, um, I'm thankful for all the teammates I have. I'm thankful for all the coaches that I had, all the, all the, you know, grad assistants we had, all the walk-ons, Tim Angler, Kareem Haylitz, um, you know, Brian Schnurr, um, you know, uh, all those guys um, were a part of, you know, Fryer family. And, um, you know, I'm thankful to be a part of their lives. And I'm thankful they were a part of my lives. Chris Burns, who, who ended up leaving as well, uh, who um, was at walking at Providence. You know, Chuck, all the managers, you know, all those guys. So thank you all if you are tuning in. And the coaches, of course, Vince Cotero, Phil Seymour, Tim Welsh, of course. Kenny White, shout out to Kenny White, who's still there and the strength and conditioning program. So, I mean, all those people have been, and thank you to both of you guys for, for having me be a part of this, man. I'm thankful for it. And there will be no Ryan Gomes if I wasn't um, playing at the dunk. So thank you to everyone.
We'd like to thank everyone for listening to the Friar Pod series, hosted by FriarBasketball.com and the Friar Podcast. If you like our content and you've enjoyed this Friar Pod series, please follow the Friar Podcast at the Friar Podcast on Instagram and at the Friar Podcast on Twitter. And please be sure to visit FriarBasketball.com. We'd like to thank Kevin Farahar for joining us. And we'd like to thank all of you for listening. And as always, go Friars. Go Friars.